It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and poor life decisions. Oh, right. Yes, Dogs fans. It's been a few weeks. I don't know if y'all missed us as much as we missed you, but... These last few weeks been wild. Kyler's been traveling the country, crisscrossing, doing his doing his work thing. I've also been doing some work things, had some travel things, and unfortunately, we just we couldn't get it get it together two weeks ago. And then this past weekend, we also were traveling. So it's been it's been a minute, but uh, we are back and we are locked in because it is it is a lot has happened since we last were on the podcast and there is a lot laid out uh as i told kyler 30 different scenarios possibility um lay lay on the table this weekend i'm going to get into that i'm going to get into so much more but first let's hear from casey money my partner the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, dude? How's your last few weeks been? Oh, it's been crazy. I feel like I've, I've kind of traveled the uh, entirety of the Southeast. You know, Nashville to Charleston, Charlotte, East Coast to North Carolina, kind of all over the place. But uh, it's been busy and, and, you know, apologize to, to our fans out there. We haven't been able to be more consistent with it, but we're ready to bring it for a special, special weekend coming up. So I'm fired up. I know that... All of Dog Nation is fired up right now. I mean, this, these are the kind of games that, you know, storybooks are written about. You know, uh, Saban, Kirby, I know we'll get into that later, but I, I'm super excited to, uh, you know, talk to dogs uh, this evening uh, on, on a Tuesday night. It doesn't really get much better than that. But, but yeah, doing great over here. And, uh, yeah, just the, the anticipation is so much right now yeah, for this SEC championship. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it today, and it does feel different than any other game we've had, at least this season. And I realized, like, there was unfinished business with Alabama. Yes, we beat them the last time we played, but they had beat us seven previous times before that. And uh, a lot of heartbreaking losses, um, you know, went through the fire to finally get that first title. And the bottom line is we've had four cracks at Alabama in the SEC championship game and are O for four. So uh, there is they, the Alabama's that one team that I feel like we have not enacted enough proper revenge on. And, and I feel like Saturday is the time to do that. I, I, I don't know. It, it's different. I think that you think about Tennessee who dominated us for a while Okay, we've we've crushed Tennessee a few times, given the worst loss in Neyland a few years ago. I feel like um, that that rivalry has evened out in our favor quite a bit. You look at the Florida rivalry, I mean, really dominated them in recent years. And that's crazy because when we were in college, it was not that. So we have seen a flip of that. Uh, Auburn really has been dominant ever since we were in college. So you look at our main rivalries, Georgia Tech as well. Uh, and Alabama is kind of that rival. Yes, they're a tr- not a traditional rival per se, but um, they've been the thorn in our side. And you know, to the point, one for the last eight. Uh, it's we haven't we haven't given them what they've given us. And so I'm really hoping uh, for for us to start start evening the score a little bit more, especially against Saban. Um, 
but yeah, I, I like, but before we look forward, Kyler, before we go forward, let's go back. Cause we've got a lot that has happened and um, let's first just talk about the dogs. I think the last time we were talking was in the lead up in anticipation to the old Miss game, uh, Georgia, or maybe it was actually the Tennessee game, but Georgia dominated Old Miss dominates Tennessee, which is crazy. Nealon's not an easy place to go play. Uh, and then turn right around, dominate Georgia Tech. Um, and yeah, some people will say, oh, it's close. But that game was not as close as the as the scoreline saw it. And I think we really played pretty vanilla. But for me, I think these dogs are rounding into form. I think we're seeing some of the best football played and yeah, maybe last week, hopefully we clean up some of the errors, but I also think um, there was a lot of weird stuff, you know, bounce, deflected interceptions and um, not necessarily just like terrible, poor play by the dogs. Um, but, but yeah, this, this Georgia team feels um, take away for those few mistakes that we made in the Georgia tech game. Like we're really, we're ready and we're prepared and um the maturation on the defensive side, maybe that's where you, where you should start because we've got some guys on that defensive side of the ball in the front seven that are really coming into their own. And, um, yeah, that's where I'd like you to start, honestly. Yeah, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, we're uh, starting to see some some younger guys really get some, some reps, uh, some people that we didn't see earlier in the season. Um, I know that um, you know, Raylan Wilson is, you know, he was in there against Georgia Tech. Um, or a little bit beat up at that at that linebacker room with Jamon Dumas Johnson. He's been out recently. Smile Mondin's been uh, battling a little bit of injury, so we've been forced to you know throw in some of these um, young linebackers, and, and they've you know answered the bell for the most part. Um, and there's still some some things that need to be tweaked, and I think that we saw that um, in the game uh, against uh, in the game against Georgia Tech, but. CJ Allen and, and Raylan Wilson. I mean, they're two of our bright young studs. And, and you know, I, I think that the experience that they gained, you know, over these last few weeks of getting more reps have, are only going to set the stage for them to, you know, be able to plug in in these, you know, massive games here um, on Saturday. And then, you know, hopefully moving forward um, New Year's Eve and, and a week after New Year's Eve. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been playing, uh, you know, solid defense, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, I do want to talk about the defense and kind of the difference in, you know, how we were able to dominate uh, Tennessee on, on defense compared to Georgia Tech. I feel like the way that Georgia Tech attacked us is, is similar to the way that um, we were attacked by Auburn and, and Peyton Thorne and, and what they were able to do, um, running a lot of this RPO type stuff. And um, I think it also helps that um, Buster Faulkner, the offensive coordinator, you know, spent a lot of time. Um, with our team, knows our personnel, um, knows that we're playing two inside linebackers that are freshmen and, you know, knew how to take advantage of that. And so I think we saw a little bit of that, but, um, you know, overall the defense is, is still playing solid. And I, and I feel, honestly, I would compare Tennessee's offense more to, Ala, you know, Alabama's than I would compare Alabama to um, what Georgia Tech or Auburn are, are trying to do. But you got to think that, you know, um, Bama will try to implement some of this RPO stuff, seeing the success that Auburn and, and Georgia Tech has had, um, you know, on, on that side of the ball. But um, what are your thoughts on our defense, though? I mean, I, you know, definitely a little bit disappointing, um, you know, last week. But, um, you know, that, that, you know, give credit where credit's due. I really feel like 
Georgia Tech, you know, had a good game plan. They had, you know, coaches that, you know, used to be on our staffs. And so um, they knew how to, you know, keep this game close and have a, a solid game plan um, last Saturday. Yeah, I think the one thing that I am a bit concerned about is probably Jalen Miller-Rowe's ability to run the football. I mean, he's an incredibly gifted runner, and if we've shown a weakness to anything, it is quarterbacks being able to scramble out and get first downs. And so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a huge concern. Um, as far as really getting beat deep or – um, Alabama going vertical, I'm less concerned about that because I, and uh, you know, I think the, the big thing is probably more so on our offense um, because I, I truly, I think for us to beat Bama, we want a, our offense to come out there, start clicking, do not give Bama short field. We cannot make mistakes, uh, I think is a big thing. So we got to clean it up a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. But I think that, uh, hopefully we get Lab McConkey and Brock Bowers back. It seemed like both of them were kind of just out resting because we felt like we we had it, and Ra Ra Thomas for that matter too. Um, all three of those guys are going to factor into you know to our ability to to really spread the ball out and and do what Georgia wants to do. But I think the bottom line is why this matters to the defense is. You know, we what we've shown is we want teams to be one dimensional. And I think especially Alabama forcing them to have to try to put the ball downfield. We've shown that um, time and time again, at least this season, it, that's where Jalen Milrow maybe gets into problems, maybe makes bad decisions. And so I think we need to put come out and put full court press on the offensive side of the ball, hopefully be able to move the ball on Bama's defense, which is no slouch themselves. Um, so that we can really, you know, so that I think that our defense can get Bama into passing situations, forced passing situations, which is funny because that's what Bama, I feel like, was so good at earlier in the uh, in the decade. Those dominant teams just would shut down the run and make sure that, you know, you just got to pass the ball against them. Maybe a little different, but um, yeah, making them one dimensional, I think, is, is really important. But um, bottom line is, I think going back, because I really want to talk about what happened is, I mean, look at these teams, you know, our last few outings. Um, I don't know. The Georgia Tech game seems like an anomaly. I feel like that's a throwaway game, quite frankly. Um, against Tennessee, I feel like we perf- we played a near perfect game on offense. Um, and, and even against Georgia Tech, I mean, we were moving the ball. And I think Carson Beck, um, really continues to show that he's just got full command of the offense. And, um, you know, in the end, I think it is going to be a, um, you know, it is going to be a Carson Beck game. We need him to step up. We need him to play good. Uh, but there's no reason after after what I've seen recently that, that that's not to be, um, you know, that that's not to be expected. Uh, the other part is um, since we last spoke, I think Kendall Milton was starting to emerge, but oh my gosh, he is running with violence and he's the battering ram that I feel like we've been missing this entire season. And it's great to see him finally healthy because I think he's the X factor even more than Brock Bowers um, because we know we can spread it you out. We know we can play the five wide set and we know we can move the ball. There, there's, I feel like there's no doubt about we've shown teams. All of a sudden, when you have to make decisions 
on, let's say, second and four, whether or not you're going to stack the box against Milton or spread it out, it just it puts us in such a position where we can uh, we 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 can just pick and choose. And as we talked about, how this comes back to Beck, we'll play these run pass options and just you know he can make that call at the line of scrimmage. He can make the call you know when when he drops back and sees you know what's going on. And yeah, Kendall Milton. I mean, we really need to hope he stays healthy because I think that he's the the component that makes our offense almost untouchable. Uh, but I, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on the offense? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up Kendall Milton. And you know, I you know, past three games, um, we've had two games where we've rushed for you know over over 200 yards. You know, rushed for you know 300 against Ole Miss as a team. Um, and yeah, Kendall Milton, you know, rushed for 156 against uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, I thought that was our, you know, 66 yards against them. The team rushed for for 156, and then, um, you know, against against Tech, that's what he rushed for for 156. But he's and more so than him coming on. I think it's the offensive line's maturation and, and development because. I do think that Kendall Milton is our best running back when the offensive line is you know, successfully blocking that first line of defense. Uh, Dajan Edwards is so crucial, you know, when we did have breakdowns and blocking assignments to make a guy miss in the backfield and get positive yards, fall forward, right? But now that we're, you know, these running backs are coming fleet, coming clean through, I think killed Kendall Milton gives us our best shot and is the best running back when we're blocking this way because he's getting ahead of steam. And we know that when Kendall gets ahead of steam, it's he's a tough guy to bring down. He, he runs violently. And so that's kind of what I see the difference being and, and you know, um, you know, him really benefiting from from this offensive line's improvement and, and us being able to, you know, rip off some of the, these, you know, longer runs. But, um, and that's not a knock on, on Dajan Edwards. I mean, Dajan Edwards is an incredible, you know, back in, in his own right and still is and will have a vital part, um, you know, in the game on Saturday. But um, it, it's really hats off to, um, you know, Stacey Searles and the du- job that he's done coaching this offensive line, you know, playing musical chairs with guys like Xavier Truss and Tate Ratledge being out, you know, last week and, um Dylan Fairchild, Micah Morris is getting in there. I mean, so it's a it's a lot of different characters who we're plugging and playing in there and having success on the ground. And so that's that's really a, a great thing to see. And I think that that improvement of the offensive line and, and the running game that's what's going to make us, you know, um, you know, an offensive threat that just you know cannot be you know, kept pace with. I mean, I, that's what I really think that the game kind of boils down to is, is I think that we're so good on offense right now um, that I just don't see uh, Jalen Miller in Alabama being able to keep pace with us. I, I never thought I would say, you know, a sentence like that because, you know, I feel like recently Alabama's offense, you know, led by, you know, the Jalen Hurts and Heisman winner, Mac Jones, like they, they've been terrific. Right. But, um, you know, I, I do feel like the key to this game, though, 
Um, I, I don't think that we're going to have trouble stopping the run. I know that they have a great offensive line that has is you know laden with all types of NFL types along the offensive line, and, and they want to play bully ball, but. Um, I know that Jason McClellan, he's a little banged up from the game. I don't even know if he's playing against us on on Saturday. And so they're down to Roydell Williams and, and some of these backups. And so I think that we're going to be able to successfully stop them on the ground. But we've I don't want to see us really spy Jalen Miller either. I feel like he's faster than you know anybody who could spy him, right? I feel like a spy is, is completely ineffective, um, you know, with the kind of scrambling that he does I'd, I'd rather see us you know brush the passer stay in our lanes and keep him in the pocket and just force him to make plays with his arm you know he's got a great deep ball on him um, but he's really had some trouble in that mid-range passing game it's been much improved since their bye week but um, I think that we we just you know can't let him scramble outside of the pocket we got to maintain contain with our two outside linebackers and, and um, you know, force him to sit there in the pocket and, and make mistakes. And I think that, you know, our defensive backs could have a heyday back there um, with him, you know, forced to throw the ball. Um, uh, you know, they have a really good wide receiver in Jermaine Burton, but I, you know, I, I feel really good about Kamari Lasser's ability to cover him. And then you go down the, you know, their roster, they've got a few other guys, Kendrick Law, they've got, Isaiah Bond has really come on um, this year. Um, and and so, I mean, are our other guys, is, is Tyke Smith, is Malachi Starks, are, are these guys ready, Dalen Everett, are they ready to cover the, these receivers of Bama? Because we're, we're, we're asking them to step up this game. And, and you know, that, that defensive secondary is going to have to make some plays. Um, and hopefully we're able to get some good pressure, you know, up the middle um, here and there and, and you know, Knock, knock Jalen Milrow off the spot a little bit, uh, but not not to the point where we're forcing flushing him out of the pocket. He's running for thirty yards down the field. That that that's what really scares me. And so you know, Chaz Chambliss, Marvin Jones Jr., um, Michael Williams, whoever has these maintained responsibilities, have to do an excellent job um, on Saturday to keep him in the pocket and you know keeping Milrow from doing what he does best. But um, but no, I feel pretty confident about our offense, though, on the flip side of that, um, going out and executing. Every time we've had a big, big game this year where, you know, the lights are on and, and has all the media attention, we have stepped up, answered the call, and absolutely punished our opponent. Yeah, first game I look back to, Kentucky. Just, you know, our first, I think that was, it was at least our first 50 burger against, you know, a really, really good team. Um, this year and then um, Ole Miss game another 50 burger um, you know put up uh, you know good many points against Tennessee 38 um, which was pretty impressive I feel like it could have been you know even worse than that but um, you know every single time the you know, not just the offense but you know collectively a- as a team we play very complimentary ball and, and we end up you know playing, you know, a quarter, a quarter and a half where we just put the game out of reach for anyone and yeah, cut the head off of the snake. And I think that that's what we have to do here again. And I could not be more fired up about it. I feel like this will be a great way for Kirby to put that exclamation point on this rivalry to let all of these Bama fans know that there, there's a new dog in town and, and, and it's Kirby and his crew. And 
it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And I hope it's not close. I hope that we absolutely just wear them out. Well, let's, let's pause that Kyler. Cause I, I do want to get to that later as far as our predictions, even though we've kind of already just gone right into it. Cause you know what? We're both excited. We're both pumped. This is probably the biggest game in Georgia. I don't know. It, since probably last year's national championship game, um, Definitely, I would say without a without a question. I mean, the playoffs are on the line. It's it's basically win or go home. I mean, there are some scenarios which I'm about to bring up that that do get us to back in. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And so, kind of that's a great segue to talk about what's happened around the country, um, which is typically Kyler around this time. Teams fade. You got a lot of losers. Uh, not this year. This year, it, it is the the cream of the crop has risen, and there is about uh, eight contenders right now that remain that all are th- sitting there with one loss or less. Um, obviously, you got Georgia and Alabama. Uh, Bama survived some close ones. Georgia, quite frankly, really hasn't been tested this year. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, I know that you can look at things, oh, these games were close, but I don't – if you ask a Georgia fan, and if, quite frankly, if you ask any college football expert, they would say that they never really thought we were in a precarious position. Not even as much as, you know, you look at last year's season, and we didn't even have a game like Missouri where, you know, we our backs were against the wall and we had to, like, pull one out, like – it's just gone Georgia's way most of the season. And maybe part of that is due to the fact that the schedule wasn't all that difficult, but Hey, Missouri is, it was a 10 win team and Ole Miss was a 10 win team. So, uh, you know, talk the shit you want. Georgia's won the games that we were asked to win. And in the end had some good wins, uh, Michigan, an assertive win over Ohio state, that other team, they're maybe not so surprising that Ohio State just out toughs, um, or excuse me, Michigan just out toughs Ohio State again. Uh, but I'll let you speak to those teams, but I do just want to get through the rest. We got FSU, Jordan Travis down, injured since we last spoke, but they continue winning and uh, gutted one out in the swamp. We're going to see about them against Louisville this weekend, who lost their own outside contention with a with a loss to Kentucky. Um, and then the other games, maybe the most fascinating one, Oregon versus Washington, despite Washington being undefeated, coming out, pulling one very close, literally went for it on their own 28. Kalen DeBoer, I mean, talk about melons um, in, you know, in his undercarriage. Uh, that is just such a gutsy move to be like, listen, we're going to win it. Like that is just, that's utmost confidence in your offense. Crazy. But um, yeah, Washington there, but nine and a half point dogs against Oregon, who has looked really good. I believe Oregon's, I feel like has looked like the second best team in the country uh, behind Georgia this year. And then you got two teams kind of on the outside, but could be looking in quickly in Texas and Texas is really that they're that first team um, if one of the favorites goes down to slot in. Uh, but they play Oklahoma State. They they need to uh, they need to get it going or continue the vibes because they've had some close ones, but not this past weekend. Dominated Texas Tech. And and then, as I said, Ohio State, no game this weekend. But there are just a couple scenarios where total chaos breaks out and, and they could get in. Um, 
But tell me, I mean, these last couple of weeks, anything stand out to you in particular? Obviously, that Michigan-Ohio State game, probably the headliner. And as I say, Michigan just just more physical than, than Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it happened again this year. Um, that yeah, the, the stat line everybody keeps referring to is, you know, uh, Michigan outrushed Ohio State. And uh, they had a ton of success on the ground again, um, again against Ohio State and you know, that's been the big knock on, on Ohio State versus Michigan is that they're just not uh, physically prepared to, uh, you know, take on a, a team like that. And, and hats off to Michigan, you know, for, for the job they've done this season, um, you know, losing their coach and, and being more of a player-led uh, type team. I mean, that, that's got to, you know, it kind of scares me a little bit that, you know, they're they're that intrinsically motivated to, to go out and win every single game. I, I still can't stand them, but, you know, that's – uh. But, it, but you got to give credit where credit's due. And they deserve, you know, um, respect for winning their conference, going under – or not they haven't won their conference yet, but for going undefeated, you know, winning their big rivalry game and, um, you know, got a game against a uh, pathetic offense of, of Iowa. So, um, you know, hats off to them, the job that they've done. Um, and, you know, they're, they're very well deserving of their spot. Obviously, if they, they go undefeated, there, there's going to be no, no question. But um, – but yeah, I mean, I, I just I feel like Ohio State is is kind of soft. I mean, you know, you've got Maserati Marv, who I do think is the best player in America, but I mean, he's got his Louis Vuitton cleats on, and you know, wearing his Apple Watch out there. You know, not that any of that is important, but you know, there, there's a certain blue collar, you know, aspect of of the game of football that you know you got to have a certain level of toughness, and you know, that's been the big knock on Ryan Day's teams is that they don't have that. Um, that grit that you need to, to win the big game. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts on, on you know, Michigan and Ohio State. And I honestly think it was aggressiveness too. You know, Ohio State had some opportunities and decided to punt the ball away, decided to just, you know, play it safe and feel like there's, there's, that, there's that fine balance and it's hard to figure out. And so I think that you got to give Ryan Day at least a little bit of slack because – Kirby was the same way. We remember that disastrous decision to go for a fake punt in the Alabama game, and maybe nothing would have happened either way. But uh, that game, you know, you basically just gave it to Alabama at that point. Um, and obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. Probably would not have done that. If anything, you're just you just should run a fourth down play and say, "Listen, we're fucking going for it. We're we're gonna we're gonna value." But yeah, I think that in the end. Um, it, it was the lack of that over anything. Like, I think that they're getting better in the trenches. They're, um, you know, getting tough yards. But, yeah, I mean, that is, you know, it's, it's a game of inches. It's a game of um, really, you know, incredibly close when you're playing the number two team. And so uh, you got to find a way to get those those tough yards, and Michigan did more than, more than Ohio State. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I thought the game was going to go different. Um, I mean – uh, Ohio State had that one drive where it felt like every single play they were just running the ball and they were running the ball with success. But, um, you know, Michigan, you know, responded. And, and, you know, after that injury to Zach Zinter, which I still haven't seen, don't really want to see it. But, um, you know, the way that that team, you know, rallied around um, Zach Zinter and, and immediately responded on the next play with the Blake Corum touchdown, you know, that was it was very impressive. And so, I mean, just – proves to me that this team has the grit and what it takes, um, you know, to, to have success. And, 
Um, I still think that we're, we're built to beat them, you know, but um, yeah, I think that they've got a good shot at, you know, whoever they potentially play in that first round of, of, you know, absolutely putting it to them. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, you know, um, you know, once the, once the playoffs um, are, are selected, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, should we move on to, to Florida state and Louisville and kind of, you know, uh, ring around the rosy with uh, Tate Rodemaker and, you know, what we think is going to happen there. Well, before that, Kyler, because we're going to get into all the games, we're picking all the games for the week. I just want to tell you what I gamed out, which is the 30 possible scenarios that, that could happen. And then we'll get into our, our picks for the for what we think is going to happen. And then that will determine what we think the playoff is going to be. And before we get into this, I just want to set like kind of the table. This is what I believe. I believe that Georgia is the number one ranked team right now. Michigan is number two. FSU is number three. Washington is number four. Uh, maybe maybe flip flopped. Washington took over would take over number three. FSU number four. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is I'm saying if those teams win, it, it's like we're going to have four undefeated teams in the playoffs. Settled, done. We could talk about where those teams might lie, but I don't think that's important right now because of all the different scenarios that could break down. After that, I have Oregon as the next team, and Oregon is favored in this game. So I, the scenarios I broke down was using, like, the favored teams only. I mean, you could flip it and say, like, well, what if Washington loses? But then you're just duplicating. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's going based on the favorites and, like, if one loses, if two loses, multiples of two. All right. Um, after that, it's Texas. Texas above Alabama. Um, and Alabama's next and Ohio State's next. And how I've done it is that, like, yes, of course, we could have situations where Washington just gets absolutely blown out. Florida State loses by one. Maybe Florida State goes over Washington in that scenario. Um, but – this is the idea that with those rankings, Washington is above Florida State. So Washington, um, you know, in the scenario that, that they get in, you know, they would be a higher ranked team. So let me run through this with you. 30 different scenarios, Kyler. All right. If all favored teams win, I believe it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, FSU, Oregon. If just FSU loses, it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas. If Georgia loses, Michigan, FSU, Oregon, Texas. Oregon loses, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU. Michigan loses, Georgia, Oregon, FSU, Texas. All right, that's easy. You start to see kind of how this is going to work. Now we get into the fifth. If FSU and Georgia lose, not a terribly like unlikely scenario, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama. If FSU and Oregon lose, also like not an insane probability, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Texas. You start to see there is 30 of these. FSU and Texas lose. It's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Washington. FSU and Michigan lose. It'll be Georgia, Oregon, Texas, Washington. Georgia and Oregon lose. Michigan, Washington, FSU, Texas. I, you you can get it. I, I Maybe I don't need to run through all 30, but you start getting down to it. And I will say, there's only, I will say, you, you ask how could Ohio State get in. I have two scenarios in which Ohio State can get in, only two. 
And that's FSU, Oregon, and Texas losing, in which case it would be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Ohio State. And then the only other way is if FSU, Oregon, Michigan, and Texas all lose. And then that would be Georgia, Washington, Michigan, and Ohio State, I have as three and four. That probably is a much more unlikely scenario. Uh, the one thing I'll say is that, crazy enough, if Oregon takes care of business, 16 of these possible 30 scenarios automatically come off the board. So that game is incredibly important for like setting the tone for chaos. And that game is on is on Friday night. But uh, what are your thoughts on going into a championship weekend with so much at stake? There's never been a championship weekend with more at stake. And honestly, given the fact that we're going to 12 teams, you know, the the mystery around Georgia or Alabama making it, probably not much of a mystery. They're both going to make it in no matter what. A lot of these teams would have a lot less to play for. So this is kind of like a, you know, a unique event for just college football in general is really what I'm trying to hammer home. And on top of that, it's one thing in one event that we'll never see again because of consolidation of conferences and obviously we're moving to 12. Uh, so I guess what are your thoughts on there just being absolute chaos moving into last week of the season? I mean, yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it's incredible. Um, I want to, you know, out of your, you know, scenarios, how many scenarios do you have where um, Alabama makes it? Um, because I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's a loss for Georgia. Um, and Texas definitely has to lose. Um, but not definitely. I mean, obviously Michigan loses to Iowa, um, which, which I can, you know, I want to go ahead and lock in Michigan just for the point of this discussion. Um, you know, I, I think that Michigan is, is so in, but I mean, how many, how many scenarios do you have where, where Alabama gets in just out of curiosity? All right, I'll break it down for you. So if one team loses, Alabama gets shut out in every scenario because in the scenario, the only time, like if one team loses, there's only one possibility, which is Georgia losing. And in that case, Texas is the team that gets in above Alabama. So, um, you, you know, that's that's just on the table, which is crazy to think about that the SEC could get locked out. But, I mean, it's that honestly is not that crazy of a situation given that Alabama is a six-and-a-half-point favorite only. And then you've got um, – and then obviously you've got uh, Texas, which is sitting there as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely could happen. Um, but, all right, to the point of that you were asking, if FSU and Georgia lose – um, you've got Michigan, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama, so they'd be in, in that situation. Um, if Georgia and Michigan lose, you would have FSU, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama most likely. Um, if Georgia and Texas lose, it would be Michigan, FSU, Oregon, and Alabama. And, and so I think also in that, obviously, in any situation where Alabama gets in, it has to be a situation where Georgia – um, is on the losing end and not every of those situations is that then it becomes much more likely if three teams lose so if FSU Georgia Oregon lose I mean you can imagine as as you move on to the more teams losing if Georgia's involved yeah then then Alabama is uh, is going to be in now the funny thing is is there are a few scenarios so like Georgia Oregon Michigan and Texas all lose 
there's probably there's a scenario that the final four is Washington, FSU, Alabama, and Georgia. Um, if FSU, Georgia, Oregon, and Texas lose, it could be as well. Michigan, Washington, Alabama, Georgia. Um, if FSU, Georgia, Oregon, and Michigan lose, Washington, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. So when you get to the four teams out, like um, FSU, Georgia, Michigan, and Texas, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia, Washington, um, you see like how like different pieces, if they fall, it slots different teams back in. And, you know, if all the favored teams lose, it would be, I think, Washington, Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan. So it's just, it's crazy all the different, uh, the different scenarios, but I mean, there's probably about, let's count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So I think there are 12 possible scenarios of the 30 where, where Alabama gets in. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, entirely impossible but it's also not that likely yeah i mean just you know it's just kind of crazy to think you know a one loss uh sec champion you know might not make it and that's that that's kind of more you know like what i'm kind of curious about is, is just you know like say that they do beat us too you know like are we gonna go in over let's you know I mean, I guess you've got to reward, you know, Oregon um, and Oregon and Texas if they if they win their games, right? If they would go in over us because they have the conference championship over us. But you know, it's just it's crazy. I mean, that chaos could happen. The only only sure five fire team I see in there right now um, is Michigan, personally. But I mean, anything can happen. You know, Iowa can completely just suffocate them and you know, get a couple lucky touchdowns and, and maybe win the game. But I've definitely got Michigan in there for sure. Um, I think that, you know, the other three, uh, we'll have to see where, where the dominoes fall with those. But definitely interesting to see what that final four comes with, how we've kind of predicted the games to go. Yeah, and right now, Kyler, I will say I've got two situations where where uh, Georgia gets left out, and I mean Georgia obviously has to lose, or I should say Georgia or Alabama SEC gets left out of the thirty, and it's like if Georgia loses um, at Michigan, FSU, Oregon, Texas, and then if Georgia and Oregon lose, it's probably Michigan, Washington, FSU, Texas. So I think really the only scenario. Um, you know, in which it's it's basically um, the Washington game, Oregon game is going to have no effect, I guess, on whether or not Alabama gets in or not. It's FSU game. It's the Texas game. And then it's obviously our game and then probably the Michigan game, too, because if Michigan loses to Iowa. Uh, and I think we both agree it's very likely that Michigan's going to win that game. But if Michigan loses to Iowa, I do think that that's a huge blemish and you know, Bama coming in rolling, they'll, they'll pick Bama over, over Michigan. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's all fascinating stuff. Um, but let's go ahead and pick them, Kyler. And uh, we, we are, we're behind the eight ball, if you will. Um, we're not doing great, but you know what? Uh, there, there's, there's potential to, to get back. There is um, right now, uh, 28, 34 and two 
it's uh, it's it's not been our best uh, it's not been our best time, but we're we're gonna try. We're gonna try to to crawl out and and go seven or I think we're picking ten games, all ten conference championships this uh, you know this weekend. Because why not? Um, so first, we're gonna talk about Conference USA, uh, New Mexico State, Liberty. We're going New Mexico State, uh, that big win over Auburn. It's a plus 10. And yes, Liberty's been cruising, but if you look at New Mexico State, they've steadily improved all year long and didn't have a letdown game, even though they could have uh, in the game after the Auburn game, Jacksonville State. And I think that was a de facto championship or at least a, a de facto championship uh, play-in game. And you know, got the win. It was close, but Jacksonville State's been a good team. They got bowl eligible, even though they're still in the transition uh, due to a few teams losing and going down to five and seven. JMU also bowl eligible, but bottom line is, uh, yeah, we're going with New Mexico State. Uh, any additional thoughts on that game, Kyler? Uh, just that, you know, you got to be impressed with, you know, any team going into Jordan-Hare Stadium and coming out with a victory. Um, and then, yeah, compile that with the fact that it's a Conference USA team. Very impressive that, you know, they're able to fly across the entire country, go win a game in rural Alabama, and then fly back to New Mexico, win another game. And now they're going to fly back across the country to take on Liberty. So <clears throat> I think it's, I think that Liberty will probably take this game, but that's a lot of points, 10 points. Um, you know, that's a, it's a pretty big spread and, and, you know, I feel like this New Mexico State team's playing good ball. Um, they got a solid running back, and you know, it's just a gritty team and a confident team. I mean, they they were telling um, you know the Auburn players before the game that they just they were not ready, and 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 they were right. They backed up their um, their smack talk, and and so that 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 thoroughly impressed me. The, the amount of confidence they had rolling in there. You know, it wasn't this. You know, okay, let's go get our check and, and get back to New Mexico. I was like, no, we're coming here. We're going to beat these guys. So. Um, I like the confidence behind that team, and, and I don't think they're going to lose by more than 10. So I uh, feel, feel really good about that one. I do, too. I do, too. I think New Mexico State is surging. And, um, listen, Liberty's played great. Jamie Chadwell, heck of a coach. He's just gone from Coastal now to Liberty. And you thought – you're like, why is he going to Liberty? But I will say Liberty's got a ton of money behind that program. I'm sure they're doing pretty well in the NIL game. And I feel like that's a team that – it's interesting. College football landscape's changing. I hear things, and there's a lot of stuff that I don't think we're going to really love about the game, quite frankly, coming forward, like revenue sharing. And, you know, they, that's what I'm hearing. I don't want to get into it. Maybe we'll get into it in the offseason. But the truth of the matter is it's going to come down to the haves and the have-nots. And I think that maybe Liberty is trying to position themselves right now to be one of the haves, to be, you know, a team that's competing at that higher level. And I do think it's about, you know, the money you bring to the table and how much you're investing and all that. Um, you know, I heard it about the Indiana hire and the fact that, that like, oh, my God, they're paying the fourth largest buyout in, in you know, NCAA history. Uh, like Indiana, they've never been good, but it's like that same thing of like, we can't just get by on basketball anymore. Like we have to be investing a shit ton of money into football. And if you aren't like, you're going to get left behind. So um, bottom line is like Liberty, I think is here to stay and here, here has a good team. 
But in this particular spot, it's, uh, you know, they're playing a team who's, who, who may get left behind, but right now they're at, they're at equal, equal ground and they're rolling. And so New Mexico state, it is even in Lynchburg. All right. Next up, the next game on Friday, and this will have college football potential, uh, college football playoff potential, Kyler. It is Oregon-Washington. This is an interesting one because I think we both agree that Oregon is going to win the game, but we are taking Washington against the spread. It's a tough pick. We both agree that it's not the easiest pick. Probably if we had 50 picks to choose from, this would not be one that we'd be picking, but the reason we're taking Washington really comes down to one thing. Kalen DeBoer, uh, heck of a coach. And Washington, while they've been in precarious situations, they also find ways to keep games close, to keep games tight. And yes, while Oregon has been blowing out everyone after that Washington game, there is just a part of me that's like, there's no way that Washington's not going to find a way to at least make this game interesting and it also gives into to a potential like backdoor cover spread too, where you know Oregon dominates, but Penix, you know, throws a couple of touchdowns against the backups. So I think for those few reasons, I feel like there are, there's more opportunities in which uh, in which Washington covers than there are opportunities in which Oregon is able to you know is able to dominate like that, but. We could easily see it. I think either way. I, you know, I know you want to speak more to it. So, so go away, Kyler. Speak away. Yeah. No. Just out of respect for a team that's gone twelve and zero and and beat every team on their schedule, including the team they're playing on on Friday night. Um, you, you've got to you got to go with them as far as the the point spread's concerned. But you know, like you mentioned earlier, I, I totally agree with that um, Oregon. It, you know maybe the second best team in the country, uh, how they're playing right now. Um, it's, it's, you know, pretty close between them and Michigan, but um, I, I would honestly give the nod to, um, to Oregon. And, and what a great job Bo Nix has done this year. Um, you know, even last year he had a good season, but um, outside of game number one, which we all remember, but, um, you know, it, it's pretty impressive. You know, 37 TDs, two interceptions, you know, He's going to end up throwing for 4,000 yards this season. Um, so that's off to him. I, I think that he's much more deserving of this Heisman, too, um, than, than Jaden Daniels. I think it's pretty crazy how, you know, um, Jaden Daniels is, is in the talk after all the stat fluffing from, you know, Georgia State, Grambling, Army. Um, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that they're just trying to pad this guy's stats to, you know, um, to get him the Heisman, but I think it's going to be too much to overcome. He doesn't have the stage like uh, Bo Nix is going to have on Friday uh, of, of a conference championship to showcase his abilities. So, um, but yeah, I, I, this is the, the one that I, you know, I'm obviously more excited about Georgia, Alabama because of, you know, my personal biases and, you know, how I've been raised as a human. But um, if I was a non-biased uh you know, college football fan without any allegiances to any university. This is the game I got circled. It has the, definitely the most implications, you know, um, whoever wins most goes, right? I mean, that, that's what we're both confirming. Whoever wins this game is going in. 
yeah, I don't have any scenario where where a Pac-12 team is left out. Now, I mean, you could argue maybe that that's that's not correct, and that, that you know a team could leap them. I just don't see it. Pac-12 is really strong. They they had it, and both these teams have been great all season long. So either or you know either Oregon continues their war path, and they also have the inside track right now. And you know Oregon, like I don't the think the you know we're recording this right before the CFP comes out for this week but the bottom line is you know Oregon beat a very good Oregon State team um, pretty pretty handily so um, you you can only think that they're only gonna move up in the rankings or they've done nothing to ding themselves in the rankings and of course Washington undefeated there's there's no doubt about it if they come in 13 and0 it doesn't matter how they got there it matters that they're there um, so I think, yeah, there's really no scenario in which the uh, in which the the you know Pac-12 is held out, which is great. You know, this is their final season, so you know might as well go out with at least getting one team, at least having a shot for the Pac-12, you know, to go out on top. But uh, so let's move on, Kyler, uh, to to the games on Saturday, uh, and we'll start with Miami of Ohio versus Toledo. Toledo uh, a minus seven and a half, and and that's what we're going with. Uh, you know, Toledo not too far from Detroit, and I don't know. We just feel like Toledo's been rolling. I think they they haven't lost, and maybe the the only loss they had was the first game of the season. So uh, they're they're cruising, and and they're ready to uh, to capture the MAC title. Uh, anything to add to that, Casey? Yeah, not not a whole lot to add to to anything MAC on my end. Um, yeah, Toledo, just proximity to Detroit. Um, yeah, I feel like they're going to bring as good a crowd as you can possibly bring from from Toledo and, and yeah, come away with the, the victory there and, and win handily. We're in agreement on that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, yeah, uh, there's not much, you know, this is uh, maybe not the highest analytical podcast, but it's, sometimes it's just a gut, it's just a feeling, and, and we're feeling the rockets. So, uh, you know, get off me. And I was telling Kyler, I'm like – 25 above the spread on uh you know or above 500 in in my pick'em league i'm like batting 552 or something which is that's not bad that that that's that's a return if you're betting even bets the whole time but uh i digress uh you know the next game i want to talk about boise state unlv one of the tightest spreads for conference championship weekend but we've got uh, yeah, Boise State, UNLV, Boise fired their coach and uh, and still made it to the made it to the championship game. They're coming in only seven and five, but three of those losses came outside of conference. So coming in six and two and then UNLV kind of the uh, one of the Cinderella stories of the year has really just been excellent um, almost all year long. So um, so we're going with UNLV here. Part of it, just they're playing at home. Allegiant Stadium, uh, Vegas. I think also Boise's in a weird place. I think you might be having guys, um, you know, thinking about checking out. Uh, you got a new coach coming in. Who knows? Maybe it's one of those things. You might have guys bonded and stuff. But, yeah, it just feels like Boise, um, especially playing on the road, it's a tough spot. And and I think UNLV, um, even though they lost last weekend, I think they do it, uh, and they they cover just that two points. Uh, they win by a field goal. Um, anything to add to to that one, Casey? 
Yeah, I mean, going with the same theme, hometown vibe um, right there in Las Vegas. Um, incredible turnaround for that UNLV program. Um, you know, I did not ever think that, you know, I knew that they were pretty bad when they had Tate Martell on their team and everything. So, uh, yeah, how far they've come since then um, is pretty incredible. And I think that they go and capture their uh, – it's probably their first Mountain West championship if I had to, if I had to guess. Yeah, but Barry Odom, you know, he's a good coach. He's not a bad coach. And, you know, turnaround in year one, and we've seen this for from a few different uh, teams. I know Rich Rod um, is, I believe, maybe at Jacksonville State, actually, and, and is doing really good things there. And um, I, I'm, I feel like one of the guys is, is also uh, is kind of uh, – receding my mind but i believe there's another guy who kind of had flamed out in in high level coaching but is has had a really strong season um at the at the um group of five but uh app state they are six and a half point dogs against troy we are going app state plus six and a half and kyler was was waffling on this one thinking about maybe going troy but and listen, Troy is great and uh, fantastic coaching job. But the bottom line is App State likes doing one thing, and they like playing in close, crazy games. And the crazy thing is when it's six and a half, that's tough because all it takes is a crazy touchdown for them to win by seven and to lose that bet and it to go bust. But you look at App State this year, and yeah, they've they've been in close games and they've really turned it on late. Obviously, gave James Madison their only loss of the season, and they did that at JMU, which is not an easy place to go into. And Joey Aguilar is playing really well in quarterback position for App State um, in the top ten in a lot of categories um, across all of FBS level. So uh, that's why that's why we're going the Nears in, in their championship game. Uh, you know. A little bummer that JMU isn't there. The Nears are there above them. But, hey, if if one team had to go above uh, above JMU, it obviously it probably should be the team that beat JMU. So just happened to be that, that Appalachian State was able to get their last few wins and, and get there. Um, any additional thoughts, KC? I mean, I think this is going to be a great game. Um, down there in Troy, Alabama, um, you know, App State's obviously playing really good ball, coming off of a really big win against uh, James Madison, and and they haven't lost a game by more than six all year. So, um, and that was to UNC, an ACC team, and so um, to think that that they would lose by more than six and a half is it, tough to tough to grasp. But I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, I know you were talking about Aguilar for for App State, but I mean Kamani Vidal. Um, I mean, I remember him coming out of high school. Um, he's, yeah, teammates with uh, Harrison Bailey and the infamous uh, Eric Gilbert out at Marietta High School. So, and I was always curious. I mean, why Troy for this guy? And he's turned out to be one of the top ten rushers. You know, and the NCAA has really made a name for himself the past couple of years. And so, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he if he's drafted and and the NFL. But I mean, he's a real talent there at the running back position, and I think it's going to be a great game um, on Saturday between these two. Um, opponents. I, I, I probably won't catch a minute of it, but um, you know, maybe I'll catch some good highlights. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I probably will watch it, but but that's just because I, I plan to be at a sports bar, going to be over in Raleigh with my with my brother. We're going to see a show later in the evening, but of course, going to get there right at four so we can catch 
the dogs playing first. So yeah, I, I got a feeling that I'm going to catch both of them. And uh, my brother is a, an App State graduate, so a big Muir fan, and uh, I'm sure he'll get that game going. But the, uh, my attention most likely will be uh, on the dogs, at least until we put it away uh, in the second quarter. Now, <laughs> uh, let, let's hope. But uh, all right, uh, one other game before we get into to the ones that really matter on Saturday. And that's SMU Tulane. And this game does matter. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, the games that don't, but like not college football playoff um, implications. Although the great thing is that next year, these types of games will have will have more implication um, as far as, you know, who that team from the group of five is going to be as the at large uh, team. And hopefully we get um, quite a few options and it's like, kind of chaos at that level or, you know, in these lower games, um, because those games, you know, that's going to turn up the ratings for those games without a doubt. Um, So, you know, there's there's give and takes to everything. Um, But uh, the game that I'm talking about that will have group of or uh, New Year's six implications is SMU Tulane. Um, We're really going to base this based on the the coach Um, SMU's coach. Uh, just re-upped his contract, Rhett Lashley. He's going to be, I think, there for maybe three, four, five. I don't, I don't know what the contract is, but they know he's staying. And why wouldn't he? He's obviously moving on to a greener pastures with the ACC. So, um, you know, he's about to move up, and SMU's about to move into a, a major conference. On the flip side, Tulane, Willie Fritz, I feel like he's been bantered about for every different job. Uh, most recently, it seems like he's linked to maybe going to Houston uh, and, and stepping up to the Big 12. But because of that, because there is some instability uh, at coach and because SMU is, is uh, you know, got their coach locked in, they're locked in, they're moving up. They want to make a statement. We, we're going to say they're going to make a statement um, on Saturday and they're going to cover the four points. And I think they're going to beat Tulane. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Rhett Lashley just, you know, signed a, a contract extension. We were talking about it before. You know, Willie Fritz seems to be on everybody's big board um, for, you know, taking on the next big, you know, Power Five job opening. But, um, you know, both teams are, are, are really, really good. Um, and, and this quarterback for SMU is very, very impressive. Um, Preston Stone, he's not your typical um you know, SMU player. I mean, this guy could have gone just about anywhere in the country to play ball. Um, in fact, he was high school teammates with uh, Georgia Bulldog uh, Andrew Paul. Um, that, that's quite a quite a tandem there. Um, you know, a quarterback and running back for a high school. Um, but both kids are from from Dallas, so he's the local kid wanting to stay home, and um, you know, is you know led SMU to a yeah relatively historic season for them and, and a shot to playing the New Year's Six Bowl and, and win their conference championship. And um, I think big things are ahead for, for SMU as they, you know, uh, move on to the ACC um, and start playing, a, you know, a higher level of ball. I mean, the, the money's there to keep investing into their program. Um, great donor base there at SMU. So, um, but yeah, big thing, big things ahead for the Ponies, I believe. And I think that they do win as well. Um, not, not just cover, but – you know, maybe if you got a little, little extra change, you know, throw it on the money line. Yeah, Tyler, I, I definitely agree. I think that SMU's rolling, the they're stampeding if we're if we're going to get technical with it, and and they they stampede directly into uh, what's going to be a much larger test next year. 
All right, let's move on to the games that that are going to have college football playoff implications. First, we'll talk about Michigan and Iowa. Uh, You already mentioned it, and I tend to agree. I just don't see a situation in which Iowa can produce enough offense in order to beat Michigan. I think that this game might be closer than expected, but – I just don't I don't see it. And while I say this game might be closer than expected, I still think that Michigan covers the 23. Um, it's a lot, but Iowa and the one game they played against a team that that was competent and that's that's, uh, you know, Penn State, they lost 31 nothing. And so it's just like their defense is good, but there's only so much you can do. And I mean, we just haven't seen anything out of that offense from Iowa to give us any confidence that they they're going to suddenly turn it on and you know suddenly awaken and you know the bottom line is Michigan's too too competent of a team um, you know I could see Ohio State honestly getting into a closer game because they you know throw some bad picks and stuff like that Michigan's not going to do that they're just gonna they're gonna play conservative and and I think slowly just grind them out and slowly just you know, bleed them out, if you will. And I think, you know, in the end, I could see it being similar, 31 nothing, something like that. But um, thoughts on that game, Kyler? Yeah, I mean, I, I was giving me no reason to think that um, there's going to be any sort of pulse on offense. I mean, they're winning games 13-10, you know, 12-10, stuff like that, right? I mean, there, there's never this, you know, blip on the radar where they just yeah produced excellently on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, I just think that, you know, they're, they're just way outmatched man to man, which is the kind of ball that, that Michigan's going to play them. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, Michigan go out there and throw like, you know, 10 passes in a game. You know, they're, they're not afraid to, hey, if you can't stop this run, you know, they're not going to veer away from it. They're going to they're going to keep pounding the rock. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I mean. Uh, great stable of running backs, uh, good offensive line, a team that, that's playing motivated. Um, really, just don't see a way that Kirk Ferentz and, and his guys can can pull up, pull off this victory, much less even cover that twenty three points. Yep. So Michigan, we're taking this as a cover, uh, a lot of points, but it is what it is. Uh, next game, a little less points, uh, and we actually are going to take the underdog in this, although. We both see the favorite winning, and that's Oklahoma State, Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State coming in a 14 and a half point underdog. And we've, we talked about it, and the bottom line is like 14 and a half points against a Mike Gundy team. The last time Oklahoma State is going to be playing Texas, I think Oklahoma State's probably one of the more bitter teams about probably those two teams leaving because. Uh, you know, I feel like they were the number three team many years in the uh, in the Big Twelve, and I don't know. I think that they probably feel as though um, you know they're they're getting left behind. But hey, the Big Twelve will maintain, and and honestly, I think there's another part of it that is like Oklahoma State now is in the driver's seat. I feel like to be a playoff contender each and every year now that Oklahoma and Texas are no longer in the way. So some exciting stuff. Um, from that regard, uh, but obviously they're, they're wildly inconsistent this year. Um, Oklahoma State, you never know what you're going you're gonna to ex- get, although it does feel like the bigger games they've stepped up for. Um, they beat Kansas State and in a game where I think shocked everyone because they really haven't played all that well to that point. Um, but 
yeah, I just feel like they're a team who's dangerous enough. And Texas also has shown flashes of inconsistency. And yeah, I feel like this game is going to be tighter than 14 and a half, bottom line. And it, once again, similar to Washington, we get the backdoor cover. Like, you know, it could be a 28 point game going into the fourth quarter, totally done. And, you know, the bottom line is Oklahoma State just puts in two late touchdowns um, against backups. And it's like, you know, or Texas's backup throws a pick six or something and it ends up being 14 points. It's it's once again, much easier to think that um, Oklahoma State has more options to make it a 14 point game than Texas does to to, you know, out, you know, to cover that spread. That's just a lot. Um, thoughts on that though, Kyler, any additional thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, Oklahoma state's been in these big kind of games coached by Mike Gundy. They're, they're looking to defend their big 12 championship. I don't know if a lot of people remember last year, uh, old TCU came in undefeated to the big 12 championship and, and dropped that game to Oklahoma state. So, um, I think that they're, you know, looking to defend their title, um, and are going to play a tough game out there. But I do think that the offense of, of Texas is going to be a little bit too much for, for them to handle and that, you know, they end up losing the game. But um, I think it's going to be a close one. I just think that t- Texas, you know, really outmatches them talent-wise. But, you know, you never know what can happen. Ollie Gordon is one of the best running backs in the country this year. It's just absolutely went off again last weekend. And so, um, you know, he's playing great ball and they're running the ball well. And, and you know, if, if – Texas can't stop the run, then, you know, they, they could have some serious problems on their hands. So, but no, looking forward to that game. You have definitely, you know, playoff implications there for, for Texas. And um, I do think that they pull it out. The Quinn Ewers is a really good quarterback. Um, in my opinion, he's got a couple good, three good weapons and uh, maybe, maybe even four, but, you know, Xavier Worthy, yeah, incredible talent out there, extremely fast. A.D. Mitchell, uh, one of the best route runners in the country, uh, Jatavian Sanders might be a close second to Brock Bowers at the tight end position. Um, they've got running backs that have stepped up the last uh, couple weeks since Jonathan Brooks went down with the season-ending injury. Um, so I, I've got to go with them. And they've got a lot of young talent on the defense, too, that, that's really uh, starting to come into their own um, and, and, and mature. And so um, could be a scary team down the stretch, um, you know, for, for some of these playoff teams if they're able to – uh, get an invite. Yeah, Kyler, there, there's no doubt about it. And and we're going to get to that in just a second, uh, because after we get all through this, it, there, there will be one one decision that gets made of these 30 possibilities. And so we'll talk about that for just a second. But um, let's talk about the game that, that we do see possibly going the other way before we get to that. And that is Louisville, FSU, FSU, bringing a backup quarterback. I mean, it's terrible. Um, You know, Jordan Travis was an incredible um, leader for that team. I think that, you know, he he was a really good quarterback. He's a Stetson Bennett. He's a guy that um, maybe doesn't get quite the accolades that some of the other, uh, you know, Bo Nix and Michael Penix and some of those guys, but is definitely mentioned and people, you know, revere him and respect him. But, I think truly was a game changer for Florida State. Now, I will say Florida State's got a hell of a defense, and you can't take that away from them, is that they do have a really great defense, and that, that defense has been 
honestly a huge catalyst in everything they've done this season. And so I think to just put it on the quarterback, this is not a Caleb Williams situation at USC where it's like if you revert, you know, you minus out Caleb Williams and this team is uh, this team is just like a below 500 team. No, FSU, I think with Tate Wanamaker is still a, you know, a Rodemaker is still a is still a top 15 team, but whether they're a top four team, that's the question. And Louisville, even though they lost to, to Kentucky, they are a good team and they are a really good. Speaking of defenses, that's a really, really sound defense. Um, and so we're doing it. We're pulling the trigger. We think Louisville pulls the upset this weekend. I know Kyler, you've got some more thoughts on this. So uh, lay it on me. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got Louisville in this game and, uh, and I know that Florida State, after losing um, Jordan Travis, having to go with Tate Rodemaker, who did not really impress me that much, and you know the, the game that I saw him play in against Florida, but you know that they're going to lean heavily on Trey Benson, um, the running back there at Florida State. And, and if there's one thing that uh, Louisville's defense has done well, that's that's stopping the run. Um, I mean, I think that they held Ray Davis to uh, you know maybe the whole Kentucky team to around. I think I know it was below 100 yards rushing, which is pretty impressive. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that you know, and they've got a you know veteran quarterback and, and, and plumber, and then uh, I feel like Jawar Jordan, the the running back, he he's every single week on the highlight reels, you know, rattling off big runs. Um, they've played some big time games, yeah, absolutely wore out Notre Dame, um, but you know, came up short in a rivalry game, you know, but. Uh, I kind of toss that one to the wind and and know that their team is, you know, mostly intact from, you know, most of the season and and just don't see uh, Florida State having enough firepower to um, to win this game. And so I've got I got Louisville um, money, money line on this one, man. We're doing it. We're going to say it. I, I tend to agree. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's one to watch. I probably will be in a concert. I probably will just be watching on my phone from time to time, but hopefully celebrating the dogs win. But I do think that that's, I mean, they, they, all these games are great. I really do think these are all fascinating matchups, maybe save for the Michigan Iowa contest. Every other game I feel like has potential to go either way. And I could, be convinced into seeing, you know, Oklahoma State pulling a crazy upset over Texas or, you know, um, even uh, Washington beating Oregon, you know, any of these contests. Um, but all right, uh, let's just before, well, no, let, you know what, let's talk about Georgia first and then, and then we'll finish up by talking about the playoffs. Um all right, Georgia minus six, Alabama. We talked about it at the top of the show quite a bit, Kyler, but uh, but let's break it down even further. Um, and, you know, you talked about a lot of reasons why Georgia you think is going to be able to dominate um, Bama in various um, different ways. And I know you touched on Bama's offense as well, but, uh, you know, I do want to speak to Bama's defense a little bit because I do think that they – Similar to what I've said before about a few other teams, think that that defense has kind of been the catalyst for this Bama team. Milrow has been quite inconsistent um, throughout the season. You look at his numbers now. I mean, listen, he's he's a top fifteen quarterback in the country. There's no doubt about it. But 
Um, we've had a lot of high-level play at the quarterback position. Bo Nix and Michael Penix and um, Carson Beck. Rare, you have so many guys who rarely make mistakes. And, you know, Milrow, it's still kind of an adventure. He's still learning. But uh, the thing about Jalen Milrow is – He's the type of guy that I think, given time, I mean, he could be an incredible NFL quarterback. I mean, he's got all the tools and all the potential and uh, can put it together. But while he learns, it's been the defense that's kept them in games. And really the only game that they that they didn't win was the game against Texas. And Texas kind of solved that defense. But talk about the defense Kyler for Alabama talk about their key players and and really maybe how we can exploit it and how we may run into trouble against it yeah I mean from, from a personnel um you know side of things uh Dallas Turner um you know I think he's probably the best player on, on their defense um he's a really good outside linebacker they also have Chris Braswell on the other side there so they've got a tandem there um, that, that can really create some havoc off the edge, put some pressure on Carson Beck, force him to potentially make some poor throws. Um, and then in the in the secondary, I mean, I think they're really talented back there. They, they've got some uh, a mi- good mixture of, of you know, veteran players as well as, you know, some young ones. But, you know, uh, I'll start with Kool-Aid McKinstry, um, you know, Jaquincy. He's, uh, he, he is a terrific cornerback that returns some, you know, uh, punts for them and special teams, but um, you know he he should do a pretty good job of, of locking up on, on whoever he's with. But um, you know he's really good. And then they've got uh, across from him, they've got Terry on Arnold, um, a kid that's really played well the last couple of years um, at the other cornerback position. Then you've got uh, the the freshman All American Caleb Downs um, has really had a great season. Leads the Bama team in tackles. Um, having having a great season, and then uh, senior Christian Story is playing the other safety. Um, I know that he kind of rotates in a little bit um, with some other guys, but I feel like he is that. Um, yeah, he's the guy that's really been stepping up here recently at that safety position. Malachi Moore is a, a George, another Georgia native, like Caleb Downs, who's uh, a senior um, looking to you know make a splash. Um, you know, as he you know goes to the NFL next year. Um, so, I mean, th- I mean, that's just, you know, pretty unreal talent that they have there. And then, you know, they have always got studs there on, on the defensive line. But, um, you know, honestly, I think that, you know, we, we can really kind of, uh, you know, take advantage of them the way that we've taken advantage of, of most teams this year. I mean, I, they're, they're going to, you know, it's so hard to cover two guys like uh, McConkey and, and Brock Bowers. And, and, you know, I didn't see us doing a ton of our little crossing routes against Georgia Tech, you know, that have been so difficult to defend for, for most teams. And so, um, you know, the, the task will be up to this offensive line to, you know, keep that Dallas Turner in check, keep um, keep Chris, Chris Braswell off of Carson Beck. I mean, we've got to protect him. But if we can, I'm, I'm not worried about how talented – you know, their, their secondary is, I mean, we're going to be able to find the, the open guy and Carson can deliver an absolute strike. And so um, hopefully we can, you know, get, um, get Brock Bowers, you know, matched up with, um, you know, one of these smaller defensive backs and, and just really take advantage of that kind of matchup. And then, you know, uh, whenever they do start to key in on, on, on Brock, you know, hey, we, we look over to Lam McConkey or, you know, guess what? We got this guy Dylan Bell who's, you know, 
uh, looks like a running back out there playing wide receiver. And so we're just so loaded um, on the offensive side of the ball. We have so many weapons, and, and I feel like Mike Bobo has done a great job of, you know, when we've had these big-time games, um, you know, really distributing the ball well and uh, running a very efficient offense. And, and, you know, a lot of the credit goes to Carson Beck. You know, I, I've been his biggest fan all year. Um, unfortunately, that 250-plus yard streak uh, came to a, a halting end um, last week. But I think that, you know, the, the streak uh, continues next week um, with, with the great outing against Alabama. I really think that he's going to, you know, do some really good things out there. And um, he's going to have that stage to potentially get an invite to New York City um, for, for the Heisman. I think that, if, you know, Marvin Harrison isn't playing this weekend. And if he can go in against the Alabama defense and uh, put up some really good numbers, I mean, that I, I see – I see him being deserving of a seat at the Heisman um, Trophy ceremony. Um, if not him, I would love to see Cody Schrader. I don't think that's going to happen, but he's also a guy from the SEC that, that's well-deserving that doesn't get enough talk. But, um, no, I, I really do feel like our, our offense has been setting the tone all year to, you know, really bust out some really good stuff. Like, I mean, I've even seen Arian Smith the last couple of games um, starting to get some touches. And I know that we're going to get him involved uh, in some sort of way. He's such a threat um, with his speed. And so um, I think that we find a way to, to, you know, get him to stretch the field and go deep. Um, and so, yeah. And I, I do think that um, Caleb Downs, you know, if he's in coverage against Brock Bowers, I take Brock Bowers all day long. I know that he's, probably the greatest, you know, freshman defensive back to come through Alabama. But, you know, he's kind of questionable, um, you know, and missing some tackles. He leads the team in tackles, but he's also missed a lot. I mean, he's been in a position where he's had to make a lot of plays for their defense. And, you know, uh, he's got no taller tasks than this weekend if he gets lined up on, on Brock or, or even Lam McConkey. I mean, these are both just incredibly tough matchups. And we're going to take advantage of those matchups and, uh, do very well on the offensive side of the ball um, on Saturday. Yeah, listen, I know Alabama has got a great defense, and I think that they can disrupt us and do different things and make it difficult. And it's hard to think that we are going to be as successful as we have been in certain games. Like, it's hard to think that this is going to be a redux of, like, old Miss. Um, but the bottom line is Missouri's got a very good defense, too, and – uh, we were able to do enough against Missouri and then, you know, play complimentary football uh, to to at least um, be comfortable in a win. And, and I can see this game playing out maybe similar to that game. I think it is incredibly important that we start strong. We cannot we cannot get our, our backs against the wall. Now, I do think that we can come back against Alabama and I do think that uh, maybe their power run game is not quite what it once was. And so um, Alabama, you know, if we can stop the run, we at least can stop the bleeding if, if Milrow starts out, you know, red hot on fire. And, I mean, the bottom line is we also know that, unfortunately, we've been giving up a lot of, uh, a lot of first drive touchdowns. So, you know, maybe spotting them seven is something to be expected, unfortunately, with this team. But – the, uh, the truth is, is I just think we can't allow this game to spiral and it shouldn't. But so many of our Alabama games recently have, have gone that route as you, we just start trying too much. We start. Um, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you're down in a way that you just can't come back. But 
I also think that those are different teams. And I think finally we come into this game, and I truthfully think when we came into the last game and we came into the SEC championship when we split them last time, there were we were evenly matched teams. We were, uh, you know, they they they. I feel like we were the better team, but it was it was very close. It was very tight. Um, I think that this year, I think we have some separation on Alabama. And I think we're starting to make some separation on most of the country, um, save for maybe Michigan and Oregon. I just, I think we have a way to flip it on and turn a switch on in a way that I'm not even sure Alabama can this season. And so that is where I'm like, yes, I know what Alabama brings to the table with Milrow. I know our defense can be susceptible to a running quarterback, but there are other teams we've played that have been very good. And I guess, I guess in order for Alabama to beat us, the bottom line is their defense has to play lights out against us. It it really does. I think come down to their defense because I don't think they're putting up 42 points against our offense. I think that we could think that maybe Milrow, they put up 28 or 31. So then it's like, okay, does Alabama's defense have enough to stop us? Um, even in the case that they put up 31, which I think 31 is best case scenario for Alabama in a, in a normal, like, you know, all things equal circumstances, not in a, in a straight up game. There can be weird games where Carson Beck has a couple tipped passes or, you know, like game of football can be weird. So I'm not saying it's impossible that Alabama, but no, if we're just playing straight up, there's not many turnovers. It's a pretty clean game overall. I think Alabama's ceiling is 31, and I think we just have a higher ceiling. I mean, we, um, you know, if, when we want to, I feel like our offense turns it on, and it, it is up to Bama's defense to, to stop us. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't know. I, and, and it's also because Bama's defense has been inconsistent at times. It's not like this is a Bama's defense is a um, mere image of what it was before. Yeah, so so in the end, I just think that our offense has a higher ceiling and honestly has a higher floor than Alabama. Um, and I and I think we end up overwhelming them. Um, and I do think that it's going to be tight. It may be tight at halftime. I think the third quarter is really when we turn a switch on and we just kind of take control of the game. Um, maybe hit some deep passes. Arian Smith, as you say, long, deep. Maybe I, I think Lad McConkey having a big game. I think he is going to have a big game. Brock Bowers. He, he, Brock Bowers is going to be Brock Bowers. And as long as we have our full arsenal, I just think we're going to spread the ball out. We're going to get it to all our guys. And it's going to overwhelm them. And then Kendall Milton's going to, you know, is going to put the the icing on the on the cake. And, and we're going to walk away with our second straight sec title and you know cruising into the playoffs i i've got the game as being i think 45 28 kyler that's what i see it being i do think that alabama scores i think they might get a late one i think it might be 21 all at halftime maybe 21 14 alabama you know like i think the first half is going to be interesting we're going to feel each other out but i think the bottom line is as long as georgia plays relatively mistake-free football I just think that in the uh, war of wills, we're just we're the better team, we're the stronger team, and we're going to figure it out. I see it kind of similarly. I don't see it as high scoring. Um, I do think that 
you know, we will have some drives kind of stalled out um, and, and we'll, you know, rely heavily on, on Peyton Woodring to be the consistent kicker that he's been um, since I think the South Carolina game. I don't think he's missed a kick. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've got us winning 37, 24. I got Carson Beck putting up three teddies through the air. I've got Kendall Milton with another touchdown and then old Peyton Wood, Peyton Woodring three field goals to get us to 37. So um, feel pretty good about, about that pick. I think that, you know, hopefully we do put up more offense than that, but um, you know, I've got to give a little bit more credit to, to Bama and um, you know, I think that four touchdowns against their defense is still a good outing. Um, and, and if we're able to, you know, Boot in three field goals, even better, right? So, but I got us, I got us, I got the dogs on top, 37 24. And I think part of my my score is the baked in idea that Milroe is going to make a, a fatal mistake at some point in the second half when, you know, it's, you know, let's say it's at, at halftime 14 all or, you know, 21 all, Georgia all of a sudden gets up 35, or maybe it's just. 31-21, and then Milrow makes a, a really bad mistake. Um, and then, you know, at that point, Alabama down, they're having to play for, you know, they're having to go four downs. They're, you know, they're not – if you get down in a certain point, you got to play more aggressive, and it lends its hand to possibly also allowing the floodgates to open up on the other side. And we've been on the receiving end of that on multiple occasions by Alabama, and so – Feel like it may be our turn to to kind of reciprocate that uh, that feeling of just being overwhelmed. Um, so, all right. The bottom line, Kyler, is if all those things stand as we just talked about, what that sets up is this playoff. Georgia is going to meet Texas, and Michigan is going to meet Oregon. I'll say, from a Georgia fan perspective the best possible scenario is Texas losing because if Texas loses, it really does open up the opportunity for Georgia, especially Texas and FSU lose. It really opens up the opportunity that like win, lose, tie, Georgia's making the playoff. So from a selfish standpoint and from a Georgia standpoint, we really, really want Texas to lose um, as a Georgia fan because it just it opens up the door for for Georgia to make it no matter what. Um, Oregon, Washington, because one of those teams is making it either way, and because you know if it's Washington that somehow backs into the playoff, Georgia is probably going to be a higher ranked team to get in as a one loss team over Washington. That game is, just doesn't matter. Just watch with your popcorn. Don't care. Um, the other big one is FSU. I mean, it, the bottom line, Texas and FSU lose. Uh, Georgia's in, I think, in every scenario. Uh, so those are the games that, that if you are a selfish fan, that's what you want. Now, from a college football purist standpoint, I'll say uh, getting a, a playoff of Georgia versus Texas and Michigan versus Oregon is lit. That is one of the best four team, you know, lineups I can think of um, in recent memory. I mean, Oregon comes in, obviously, if they win, they'll come in having beaten an undefeated Washington team. And, you know, if they come in and look the same way they have, that's going to be a strong team. Michigan, we know, is is very, very good. And then Texas and Georgia sets up another great game. And 
there's like no weak links, uh, I feel like, in that four. Um, so from a football purist standpoint, yeah, I think you would you would want just FSU to lose um, because that really sets it up. And I will say, the other thing is if Georgia wins, I think the best possible scenario is for FSU to win because it's likely that even if Oregon, Oregon might leapfrog FSU, so it's Oregon, Michigan, and then Georgia, FSU. Because I also, and the reason why I think that might be the case too is because you don't have the issue of like, all right, we're going to have to match Michigan versus Ohio State again. And I think the playoff committee saw what happened when Georgia had to play Ohio State. That was not a favor to Georgia. Um, and then we meet TCU in the championships and absolutely crush them. Like the semifinal game probably should have been TCU, Georgia. So, we don't have to worry about that. So I do think that it, what would end up happening is that, you know, you would have Georgia at one and Florida state at four and Florida state with a backup quarterback is a, um, is an appetizing matchup in the semifinal. So I think that there's kind of like three different ways. If we win probably Florida state winning and it doesn't really matter if Texas wins, whatever, but um, you know, having Florida state win is, is pretty crucial, I think. And then um from the perspective of purist, you know, if you want the purity, then then you want Florida State to lose. I think that's that's a real thing. Is selfish or or purity? But I don't know. I mean, what are you what are you leaning towards, Skyler? I, mean, I like the way that we have it right now. Um, you know, with kind of how we predicted the games: uh, Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas. I, I really like that. Um, you know, if if Texas does end up, you know. Um, dropping that game. I mean, and Florida state loses as well. I mean, who, who's, who's the outside looking in there? Is that uh, I mean, or is that an Ohio state scenario or is that, um, is there, is there someone that I'm missing? No, you know, I have it as being, if FSU and Texas are the only two losers, I honestly think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, and then the PAC 12 or is going to get two teams. I think it's going to be Oregon and Washington because at that point, like, I think Washington has more of a case than than FSU. Obviously, Texas is out of it with two losses. Um, obviously, you know Oregon's in there with one loss. Um, Alabama's out of there with two losses. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue it's Ohio State, but like Ohio State, like their best wins are against. And, and this is one of those things too, Kyler, though, where I do think that how the game happens might actually determine this now right now i just have washington in but like if oregon beats washington 42 nothing ohio state probably would slip into that fourth spot but i mean if washington as as we see it if washington maintains a 10 point you know uh cover covers 10 point you know keeps it within 10 i really do think that they are um that they're considered over over ohio state because it's like listen we beat everyone in the regular season the only reason we're not getting in is because we had a rematch with somebody we already beat. Like you had your one game and you lost it. And like, yeah, you barely beat Notre Dame, but I mean, Notre Dame didn't really show that much. It looked good early, but as the season's gone on, that, that win has not, not aged all that well. So like what wins does, you know, Ohio state have? I think Washington at least can say, well, we beat Oregon once, and, you know, we beat Oregon State, who's probably going to be a top 25 team. I think they beat Arizona. Um, they've got quite a few wins. So um, comparing resumes, the bottom line is, like, 
yeah, I think uh, I think it's Washington. So, um, but as I say, some of these in certain situations, it really will be um, Ohio State can creep in. But I think the only way that Ohio State creeps in is if one of these teams, like a Washington, just gets crushed. Um, and any, you know, FSU, I think probably with a loss is slotted lower than Ohio State. But I don't know. I mean, maybe even FSU, like, because it is like you've got teams that went undefeated in the regular season. And then you have an Ohio State team that's home because they didn't. So I'm like, I kind of feel like with save for like insanity, Ohio State's out. Like they had their shot. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely would have to be some turmoil for them to get in. I know that would upset a lot of people if they kind of backdoor their way in. But I mean, that that's the craziness of, of college football, man. And, and you know, I, I don't I don't see Washington like like we mentioned getting absolutely just hammered the way that or Oregon, either one of the teams getting hammered to the point to where they would drop below um, Ohio State in that scenario. So, um, but yeah, I, I feel pretty confident behind our uh, our picks here of Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas um, landing it because I, I just don't have the confidence in Tate Rodemaker um, and just the matchup. I think it lends well to, to what Louisville does and, um, you know, and that's just such an exciting lineup. I mean, just Four blue bloods of their conferences, you know, just going at it. I, gotta love it. Gotta absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, gonna gonna have my popcorn ready on Saturday. There's a there's a lot to watch in Friday. I mean, it all starts Friday, so um, it's time to get down. You better believe it. It's gonna be a it's gonna be an excellent an excellent championship weekend. And as we've talked about the entire podcast, the stakes have never been higher on the championship weekend. I mean, you think about last year, Kyler, win or lose, I think Georgia's in. It didn't matter what we did. Um, That was over. TCU, to the point, lost and still made it in. Uh, And and Michigan had a, you know, had a cakewalk of a a conference championship game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that. that. And so (laughs) the bottom line is Georgia this year, um, did it again. We went undefeated and we're going to be probably on the outside looking in if Alabama wins. Um, that That's just, that's just the bottom line. In it. And that, you know, that gets back to it about like Ohio state and like, yeah, try sour grapes, but especially in this year, you know, like Georgia's in the same position. We have a really difficult game, even after accomplishing all the tasks that we did in season. Now we have an additional test and if we lose that, like we're out. And Alabama, on the flip side, didn't do everything that they should have in the regular season. But just due to, you know, the way things break and how the schedule works out and how it builds to this, like it is what it is. So, you know, that, that and if you don't like it, don't watch college football because <laughs> this is what it's always been. It's amazing. I mean, there's zero forgiveness this year. Uh, I mean, there, there might be a little bit for the dogs, you know, with the chaos that we, we discussed. But, um, you know, how, highly unlikely that any team that's losing on Friday or Saturday is going to be playing uh, again at New Year's so, um, or New Year's Eve in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, you, you got to come ready and be prepared. And that's what this Georgia team is. They are prepared. And, the, and, Guess what, Alabama? This isn't uh, an Auburn team that 
uh, is, is going to completely just throw away a game after having it in hand. If we have it in hand, we're stepping on that throat and it's going to be over. So uh, you're not going to have that same you know level of forgiveness. You're not going to get a, a fourth and 31 bomb in, in the corner of the end zone and get away with a push off to, to win the, the iron ball. That's just, that's just not how the Georgia Bulldogs are, are groomed. Yeah. You know, we're, we're groomed differently. We're bred differently. We're, and we're ready to, to rock them. I'm so fired up. I'm just ready to shut this Bama train down. It's, it was bound to happen. You know, Kirby's off for greatness. Agreed. I think it's um, this, as I've said, I think this is the year that we just, we have a better team and, and they don't scare me in the same way. I mean, their offense, they were so scary good. Even when I feel like we beat them in the national championship, Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, um, and listen, Jameson, like obviously him get, going down hurt, you can argue, oh, they would have won, whatever. Um, bottom line is they just don't bring that same. I know Jermaine Burton, we know him very well. I, he's not he, he's not that guy. He's not like half these receivers. He's a very good receiver, but I, I just feel like this, um, yeah, this, this Georgia team, this iteration, and this Alabama team, you know, this is our chance to kind of – finally like really say like no this series isn't equal um this series is ours and and i think you know it really sets up nicely for us to to flip around right to next year coming in as the back-to-back-to-back national champions and you know go into alabama on september 29th 2024 which they announced and make it three straight but obviously we to get to that point we got to take care of business on Saturday. Uh, oh man! All right, any any final final thoughts, Kyler, before we log off? No, I mean I think that we covered all the bases. Um, you know, if you if you're not a fan of college football after the stage that we have set for us um, this weekend, then you know you're not a fan of college football, and that's okay. Go, you know, um, watch whatever you watch, and I'm cool with that too. But for for the college football fans out there, this is it, y'all. This is this is uh, you know going to be one of the greatest weekends um of the year so um yeah let's just let's go I, i'm just i'm ready i mean i cannot wait for kickoff four o'clock saturday it's going down dogs on top 37 24 lfg baby and and let's and and the last i'm so yes yes Yes, kyler no absolutely i this as i said at the top of the show this game just there's something there's unfinished business uh with alabama and that for us we've never won an sec championship game against them so uh it's it's time we change that in the last year that we're going to have divisions at least as as far as our knowledge goes so uh yeah we we need to do it and and it's time to you know it's time to seize the day if you will All right. Well, for Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been another Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Check us out anywhere you get podcasts. Check us out on our Instagram, the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B. And we always ride out with two words, and they are Go Dogs! Go Dogs!